Wednesday morning, Gil Alexander, your betting dork, pregame.com. And as always on Wednesday, we get sabermetricy on you. None other than base winner in the house. How you doing, base winner? Gil, I can't be better. I'm looking at that sports all day from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep. It starts with the World Cup. And then maybe a little bit of break for like an hour, and then it comes right back into baseball. So this is time time for me, Gil. Are you waking up at uh, 4.30 Pacific to watch the first of the World Cup matches? I will be honest with you. I missed the first half of the first game. It's just, I, just I, the first I'm half. I'm programmed to wake up at 5, five Pacific, and, and it, I'm, I'm anxious about it before I go to sleep because I know I'm going to miss that first half. I know you'd be thrilled to know that uh, Chile actually won the first match uh, 1-0 as opposed to it ending up in a in a draw, so I'm sure you're thrilled by that res- <laughs> by that result. Well, I'm, I'm excited. Anytime people score goals uh, in this thing because it just seems to me, and I, and I did a a study on the average goal score that that this is really a unique situation where teams aren't scoring. So I think that your your thought on on playing a draw actually makes a lot of uh, mathematical sense uh, based on on the goals that these guys are scoring. Well, thank goodness for the World Cup because obviously I am in a whew, I am in a swoon in baseball. Yesterday, what could go wrong did go wrong. So thank goodness for the World Cup because. I've been killing it thus far based on that alone, just based on the draws. I said this, you know, I cited a stat yesterday, and it has just continued through today. 16 World Cup matches have now gone uh, past halftime because we're in the middle of a Spain-Switzerland game, which, by the way, Switzerland leading 1-0 now, which is unbelievable. Of these 16 matches, and this is a pretty incredible stat, 10 have been scoreless at the half. If 10 of them are scoreless at the half, why wouldn't you either be wagering on draws or the under is another great bet thus far as well. Well, I, I, I agree with you based on what's going on. And it's the hard thing from a handicapping standpoint is it's so uncharacteristic of what's gone on in the previous World Cup. Because in the previous World Cup, in the first round, they, the team's, Average 2.43 goals per game. And I just did the quick math, math right now based on 15 games. The teams collectively have scored 24 goals. So they're averaging only 1.6 goals a game. So your, your conviction to play the draw it actually makes, like I said, mathematical sense. Uh, because, you know, 1.6 uh, goal environment, that's, that's just no scoring basically. And it's you know, and then to see what's happening now with Switzerland actually beating Spain. Spain, listen to this stat: first fifteen matches, three hundred and thirty-seven passes collectively uh, were completed nicely in all those matches combined. Spain completed three hundred and thirty-nine in the first half alone. Hmm. So, yeah, wow. and they're and they're trailing. La Furia Roja is trailing in the first match here that they're playing so unbelievable brings up a good point about about the the uh, something is affecting these guys maybe it's nerves maybe it's the altitude and uh, maybe it's the damn horns i don't know but it looks to me when i watch these games that the, the teams are extremely extremely wound tight i don't know are you seeing the same thing i believe that completely i i don't know if i said it on i don't know if i wrote it on my thread i don't know where i said it but i i said the same thing which is it appears to me that this World Cup, for whatever reason, 
and this is opposed to four years ago, eight years ago, they're just a whole bunch more nervous than they seem to ever have been. And when I say nervous, I don't mean like, you know, schoolboy nervous. I just mean like the pressure must be so huge, you know, with the weight of their country on their shoulders. It really does seem to affect at least the play here in the first round of matches in the group round. You know what I mean? Like maybe it'll change, but right now that's what it appears to be. Well, I totally agree with you. And maybe the scope of everything, because it's, it's got, kind of become exponential, you know, with the media coming down on these guys. Maybe they can't take the pressure. Watching the, the Ivory, Ivory Coast-Portugal game, it's almost like those guys just wanted to get out of there with a draw. And, I mean, they didn't want to do anything stupid. And, I mean, we've seen you know, stupidity here in this World Cup, or a misplay, I shouldn't say stupidity, that's kind of a harsh word to, to call uh, what the goalie for England did. Um, but he misplayed it, and, and he must just be getting just tremendous, from what I've seen, just tremendous amounts of grief in the, in the British media. So, you know, you've got to think that these other guys that are, that are looking at these, you know, mistakes that people make, and, and how the media magnifies it. They've got to have that in the back of their mind, that, hey, I better not make some brutal play or else I'm going to be the goat for the rest of my life. Or maybe they're just, maybe, maybe they're just be tight about that. Well, that, that, that's pressure when you put it that way, huh? <laughs> that's pretty, wow. Well, if you, if you think about how big oh, yeah. soccer is in these countries, yeah, people... if a guy makes a bonehead play, well, I mean, it cost a guy's life when, when the Colombian did it. Yeah, they've been murdered for it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that, that it can get much worse than that. So, no. it's just a, I think it's a huge scope and, and make a good point that, that these guys are under a tremendous amount of pressure. Hey, when your life depends on a, uh, if you, a mistouch ball, you're going to be a little bit tight. I, at least I would be. No, you know I would be for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. By the way, I uh, do want to mention uh, before we move to baseball here, for everyone who gets this podcast through iTunes, um, for the next couple of days, we're going to be in transition period. Uh, I'm going to be getting my own iTunes channel, the show will be, and that will be available, I'm going to say, starting Monday of next week. So for the next couple days, you're going to have to get the show through the pregamepodcast.com uh, page as opposed to through the normal iTunes channel. And then Monday, we'll have our own dedicated iTunes channel, so we'll sort of resume in that way. But just a sort of heads up to everyone who gets the show through iTunes that there's going to be a little transitionary period here. Uh, that said, thank goodness for the World Cup base winner because it's been going well. Baseball, not so much. Yesterday, I'm coming off only my second 0-3 day of the entire baseball season. And I could sit here and I could tell you this is what happened and this is what happened. It's a results-oriented thing. Bottom line, it's 0-3. The point being on all this, yes, it's one big grind, and two, you just can't cap certain things in baseball now, can you? Well, I totally agree with that. And, and you know, I was looking at the, at the game that you had yesterday with the Cubs and, and a, a solid fielder, Derek Lee, Good Lord. makes just a, just a, I mean, a, an error that he maybe not make the rest of the time in his, in his days in the, in the Major League Baseball, just dropping a ball. And it just so happened that you were on that game and, and that's, a t- that's one of the things about betting baseball is that that's going to happen every now and then. 
Um, you're going to have a bad break that, that may, and, and you can argue with me about this, but he may not drop a ball like that the rest of his tenure in the, in the major leagues. So, yeah. you know, well, and, it's, and you can't cap it. If you look at, if you look at the UZR for Derek Lee, it's actually a, a close to a four, so he's got a good fielding rating. You can't cap four errors either. You know, three three of which are just junior high school level stuff. So it's you know, it's baseball. It's tough, tough to swallow. It, it, and it's a long grind. But at the, at the end of the day, you're still ahead for the season. We've got a long way to go in the season. And, and uh, just as a as a fan of yours, I, I I don't I don't handicap the uh, the National League home games. I was very interested in reading your write up yesterday about the Cubs Days game. I mean, you could not have, that was just beautiful handicapping, and every now and then you're going to cap a game right and you're going to lose it. And I think that we need to understand that as, as players, and I think we need to understand that as, as handicappers as well. Well, it's kind, it's kind of you to throw that out there, but enough about me. How are you doing? Gil, I'm doing really good. I've got, I've got four games for, for major leagues, and, and I like this interleague stuff. I really do. I, I, I enjoy watching the different matchups, and I like the game tonight uh, in New York, and it kind of reminds me of the World Series. And uh, last night's game was, even though you know we you didn't have it right, I had the over, so I was happy about that. But um, it was exciting to watch, and I think Philly was really in that game. There's a couple things, and then this goes back to you know something breaks in a certain way. You know, you hit this game, but I think these teams are very competitive, and they're coming out with a line of. I mean, it's. it's I a, think that the Yankees are two minus two hundred tonight, or minus two twenty. Very lopsided line with Jamie Moyer on the hill, yeah, because he had a really bad outing last time, and it's been a bit of a reaction to that, I would imagine. Well, I, I definitely think that that people become reactionary to that previous game, and I think with a guy like Jamie Moyer, you, you got to take a look at the body of work, and you know he's not the best pitcher in the history of major league, but he he is consistently can get through lineups. He's pitched, you know, for what, close to 20 years, I guess. He's been been around for a long time. And, you know, the bottom line on this game is it, it's the Yankees are favored by too many, uh, by, by too much juice. I mean, I've got the, I've got Philly. They should be about a plus 160 dog. I have them at plus 200. I just got down on them at plus 200. And, I mean, if you look at the numbers, it, you, you just – kind of shake your head and say, well, why is this team favored by, by so much? Well, and I should probably point out here, if I'm doing my job as the host of this show, for those who are just tuning into the Wednesday Base Winner show for the first time, that what we are talking about here is, well, a couple things. One, you are creating your own line for every game through your own uh, approach and process, and you're comparing it to the actual line, and then you are determining value um, therein and how you're creating your actual line is really sort of you know what's under the hood that's what we do we convert sabermetrics advanced statistical analysis into our own betting edge where there is an edge to be found and so this is the first of the games tonight the Phillies and the Yankees that falls into that category absolutely and, and if you if you look at it from a piece-by-piece piece standpoint you, you, you look at the starting pitching, and, and I actually have Burnett a little bit better than Moyer. I have Burnett at 4.3, you know, expected runs, and I have Moyer at 4.82. And you say, well, how can you play 
how can you play Philly? Well, the, the main reason is, is not because I think that Philly has a better chance than New York to win the game, but because I think that we're just getting tremendous value, um, you know, from a, from a, a return standpoint. And if you look at, if you look at the numbers, the hitting numbers, Philly's offense is not quite as good as New York's, but it's pretty damn close. And you know, I have I have Philly with a 4.83 total offense, and I have the Yankees at at a 5.2. I think that the, the line I brought that down a little bit because the lineup's a little bit banged up, um, you know, and and the bullpens are about equal. So I just think that while I think New York should be favored in this game, I think they should be only favored about minus 160. Yep, you're 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 finding value. It's part of the reason why I love baseball betting so much is because we have the money lines to work with. So it's an extra assessment we're making in this sport versus you know common eleven ten vig sports like football or basketball. We actually get to see hmm is the bang for our buck worth it here, uh, or are we laying too much? That sort of assessment that we get to make in baseball. And so what you're saying is it's a it's a value play for you in terms of what your reward is on Philadelphia, of course, based on your capping in the first place. Let me ask you this about that, though. The Phillies are a team that we know historically to be a very powerful offensive team, but have obviously been having their woes of late. When you're coming up with your BSR or your expected runs, how much do you weight the recent play in? Well, Gil, that's a really good question, and I hope I can answer this and, and effectively because it, it brings up a good point. How much do you look at current form? And I used to have, for, for two years, I had a model that did the overall, and I also had a model that did the current. And I looked at other current stuff, not just the hitting, but the current form of the pitching and the current form of the bullpen. And I found that the current analysis that I did actually brought me off a ton of plays. And it was, I think it was counterproductive to the handicapping process. And I think that, that too much is made out of this, you know, how this team's doing recently. And then in, in my study on sample size and, and reading, you know, whatever, how many books I've read about baseball statistics, I think we have to look at larger sample sizes. And the bottom line, when it, it pertains to this game, is Philadelphia, their lineup from a, from a statistical sample size that, that's very relevant uh, they should be a lot higher, and I think I think the current form, you know, they're in lousy current form, but I think that that will revert back to the statistically significant sample size. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does, and I, I think the reason I brought it up is because it really is a, um, you know, with the World Cup going on right now, literally as we speak, it's an interesting sort of point to bring up because I would agree with you in baseball. People make too much of recentism, if you want to use it as a gambling term, the uh, the stupid word recent, you know, recentism. But it's sort of, we know that to be a huge thing to fade during, for instance, the NFL season. The public reacts so much to what happened, you know, in week eight as we approach week nine, as opposed to looking at the broader body of work in football. It's particularly particularly so that it's a factor that we get to exploit because the public is just so reactionary to that. So when you're saying it in baseball, I completely agree with you. The same applies. Whereas in soccer, punters, of course, as they like to call themselves or as they are called across the pond, will tell you that recent form is the single biggest factor that they consider when capping the World Cup. So it's a little different. 
I think that maybe, I don't know, they're on to something as far as recent form goes. I mean, the thing, the thing that you got to look at, though, when you're, when you're always you're asking yourself this question in any sport is how does it perform versus the money line? And I think that, that you, you bring up a good point about current form in baseball. And for, for two years, like I said, I had this model. It was very counterproductive in my, in my handicapping process. For instance, let's say I had today I had Philadelphia you know, on the overall, but on the current it would say uh, you know, New York should be favored. Or, you know, it, it's an even game. And I, I would stay away from it. And I stayed off, I would definitely say I stayed off a lot more wins than, I, than, I, than it got me off of losses. So I, I think that current form, at least when it applies to baseball, is, is a counterproductive thing to look. You've got to look at the body of work, and you've got to look, look at a large sample size. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. And I just think it's, a, it's certainly a worthwhile uh, point to make. Because it is, it really does depend on the sport, you know. By the way, as as we're uh, talking here, Switzerland puts another one off the post. This is unbelievable. This, this that was one. an incredible shot, Gil. The guy, the guy, like he kind of backed it off his off his right foot. It just almost trickled in there. We got some good opportunities. At least these guys are playing. It looks like they're they're playing for you know. Uh, they're they're not as nervous as the rest of them. Yeah, I know. I would. I was just about to say, um, you know, and I know it's sort of counterproductive for us to talk about something that's happening during a podcast. But it is interesting that this is probably the soccer equivalent. Thank goodness I'm off this game. But this is the the soccer equivalent of probably you know a frustrating game in baseball, whatever that game might be. Where folks who have Spain are probably like, you gotta be kidding me! Like we are dom- <laughs> we dominated this game so badly in the first half. Yet we have nothing to show for it, and now these guys not only lead but are knocking at the door again. Jeez! But this is an incredible result if it if it holds up. So this would I be mean, yeah. This would be the match. That just goes to show you the value in, in playing an underdog. You know, definitely got to look in any sport at the underdog first, because I mean anything can happen in the sporting world. I know it's cliche, but it's true. Well, Switzerland, if I'm not mistaken. And I might be mistaken here, but I want to say that they were some ridiculous money line return on this game. I, I, I may be completely off here, but I think Spain was such a huge favorite that you could have gotten over like 12 to 1 back on Switzerland. Am I wrong about that? You know, I don't know what the line was, the straight line was, because I have Switzerland plus a goal and a half. So, uh, um, I mean, I like that, but uh, yeah, that's looking I also pretty good. have the over in this game, too, and they just missed a ton of opportunities. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty damn good return, if you ask me. All right, so you got the uh, Phillies at plus 200. You locked it in. That's one of the and, and in the same game, I'm going to go with the over in that game. And, again, that goes back into the team's strength of offense. And, and uh, I think that you can argue that, that Philadelphia's got the best offense in the National League. And... Of course, the Yankees, you could argue that they have the best offense in the American League. And you've got two pitchers. While they're, they're solid pitchers, they're nothing special. You've got a high line of 10, but my, my, my model says 11.2 runs. And, you know, they're playing in New York. And, and New York State and the new stadium has the highest ballpark factor uh, of any stadium that I handicap. Even more than Citizens Bank, huh? Well, Citizens Bank, I don't handicap. Oh, you're in the that. AL. That's right. You're in the a, AL. It's in the National League, but I have the, the Yankee Stadiums of 1.13, which is a very high number. And of course, there's there's some sample size issues there, but um, you know, from what we've seen so far, the stadium is really 
cater to the hitters, that's for sure. By the way, I should also mention, and I'm, I'm completely throwing parenthetical asides on what you're talking about, Base Winner, so please don't think that I'm uh, ignoring what you have to say, but uh, a couple other things happening with the podcast today that folks ought to know about. Uh, you may have noticed on the pregame website that we now have a place to stop and discuss the podcast. So every day after the podcast, our goal is to sort of continue the discussion, if you will. So for those who listen to the podcast and want to react to something, you can certainly click on the discuss button and put down your comment. I want to keep that uh, conversation going throughout the day, uh, every day after the podcast. So for instance, our little talk about recentism, if we want to use that term once again that we just had, chime in on that, for instance. You know, do you when you cap? How much do you weigh what's happened of late form? Maybe you think Base Winner and I are ridiculous not to focus heavily on recent play of baseball teams. Not that we ignore it, by the way. We do pay attention to it. But maybe you think we're crazy for minimizing it. Perhaps you agree. Whatever the case, anything during a podcast on any given uh, day during the week that you want to react to, feel free to go ahead and click that Discuss button on the website and love to continue that debate throughout the day. Or, you know, doesn't even have to be a debate. Maybe you just want to throw on some nude pictures there. Although I, although I shouldn't probably say that because people will take me up on that. And I don't, we have enough of that, I guess, on the website, don't we? Well, I think that the quality of the nude pictures or the semi-nude pictures, so I should say, or it's very high. That's, that's one of the, the bonuses of, of the pregame community. We do have a very high quality, don't we? I mean, if we're going to do... So there's the one thing about the pregame community. If we do something, we do something with a real dedication and quality. And I do want to shout out to No Limit on that. No Limit has been the Hank Aaron, if you will, of posting fine quality pictures of young ladies on the pregame website. So shout out to No Limit, who's been such a great... Uh, listener of this program and always the first to give feedback. So No Limit, you now have a new place to give feedback uh, on the website. No, no Limit is, is classic, and the, his his collection of Brazilian soccer fan pictures yesterday was it might have been his best work. And, <laughs> his uh, best I work. Tell you, well, I love with, it. With No Limit, sometimes you go to see you go in there to see what he's got on his plays, his and, best and you work. get distracted. <laughs> well, what, well, what? Why did I go here? You know. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder the thread gets so many views. And I thought it was my wonderful baseball knowledge all this time. Little did I know that it's No Limit posting Brazilian pictures. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was a great collection. Well, yes. I guess we got to move forward and do some handicapping here, huh? Oh yeah, what the heck? Although I like talking about Brazilian chicks, but you know, I do like talking about Brazilian chicks. And and by the way, Argentinian—I guess it's Argentinian is or is it Argentine women? I don't know, but they—they're all guys. They were sexy as hell at the. Well, they were showing them on TV. Wow. But that's wow. one of the things about the club that's wow. also a bonus. I will say this: um, yesterday, when Brazil had their match during the day. I, of course, and I actually said this on my thread, I was out. I was like, okay, I'm bouncing. I'm going to go to Brazilian bars uh, now and, and watch uh, Brazil take on North Korea because this is obviously the thing to do in San Francisco, without a doubt, at this very moment. It is my big sort of love letter to San Francisco. It's never as beautiful as it is during the World Cup because there are pockets in this city that pretty much can be found for any country 
And in the World Cup, that gets highlighted because people are in bars during the day. It's like no one's got a job. And so yesterday was just a Brazil fest. So that was a wonderful thing. So, so did you, let me ask you this. Did you find a good spot with, with good views, so to speak? You know, it, it ended up not being as great as I would have liked. But yes, I mean, there, I definitely got a taste for it. So... Yes, mission accomplished. It's incredible. You're right about that because I, I was, I was in school. And I'm dating myself, but I was in school in '94 when, when the World Cup was going on. You know, and they had a couple of games at Stanford Stadium, and, and it, it, the pageantry in San Francisco, and the, 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 the globalness of the community there. It's just like really, it, it, it's a really good time, uh, good party time in San Francisco, the World Cup. So I'm glad, I'm glad you got a little taste of that deal. Well, thank you. Philadelphia, plus 200. You love the over in that game as well. I like the over as well. Yeah. <laughs> as you're saying this, by the way, I'm like, who's playing today? Okay, let's see. Who do I got coming up later? Uh, Uruguay and uh, South Africa. Yeah, I don't know any uh, Uruguayan or South African bars, so I might be out of luck today. You may, you may be, although uh, you would think that you could probably find an, Ur- an Uruguay bar there at some, some, some point. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm actually going to see the freak today at uh, the ballpark, so I'm out. Ooh. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, I'm jealous of you. Against the big okay. bad Baltimore Orioles. Don't be too jealous. Well, you know, the thing about Baltimore, though, is I think that this is a play-on team down the road. They're really not hitting to, to their ex- expected runs. They've got some issues with, you know, some luck factors. Their pitchers are getting unlucky. So, I mean, you got to take a game case by case. But I think that they're a good team to look at because we're going to be getting value with the Birds. So, um, I'd look to, look to them as a, as a play-on team. So, I think they're going to win the AL East. They're a good betting team, I think. I'm going today base winner to become one with the game again. <laughs> I'm going out there to smell the ballpark and to get the baseball handicapping zen back on my side. That's my whole purpose of going out there today, after what happened well, yesterday. Yeah. Well, Gil, with your, with, with your approach and your study of the games, there's, there's no doubt that you know it's going to go back into the big positive like it was before. So, I, you know, I have complete, I mean, almost a certainty that you're going to end up with a great year. So I, I right. don't get too down on yourself. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm saying it's sort of tongue-in-cheek. All right. <laughs> All right, so Philly and the Philly over, you like in that game. What else are you looking at today? Okay, now this is now I want to touch on some different saber metrics here because as we do the show, as some people you know haven't listened to all the shows, so maybe we can go over some review of some different uh, saber metrics terms that we use. And I'm going to go to Detroit and look at the uh, the Detroit Washington game. The line is posted at eight, the total, and my model says nine. And the main reason that this that my line differs uh, from the total that's posted is my evaluation of, of Levo, Levon Hernandez. Let me guess. And, go ahead. It's his B-A-B-I-P. Absolutely. <laughs> You're right. And his strand percentage. But if you look at his, his, his B-A-B-I-P, I mean, it has to regress to the mean. So maybe you could touch a little bit more on that term for people that don't understand that. Well, it's it's funny, first of all, whenever when you're talking to another guy who uses sabermetrics, as soon as you say something like, I'm looking at this Detroit-Washington game, because we've studied every matchup the night before or early that morning, we know exactly where you're going with it. We're such sort of dorks on this subject that we tend to know specific players that well. But B-A-B-I-P stands for Batting average 
on balls in play. What it is a metric of is it attempts to determine a luck factor. Has a pitcher been lucky to date or unlucky to date? Now, it's a little harder for folks to wrap their brains around because standard metrics like ERA or fielding independent pitching, we kind of get that a 3 is good, a 4 is average, a 5.0 is not so good. And they follow a scale that we've become familiar with. Well, BABIP, folks have a little more trouble with because it's not as tangible. By the way, there's BABIP figures for individual batters, but I don't weigh those as much for reasons that I've stated before. Basically, there's some degree to which batters can control how balls come off their bats more so, let's say, than there is a pitcher's ability to control what happens once the ball leaves his hand. Um, So a pitcher, once the ball leaves his hand on a pitch, and of course a starter is throwing 90 to 100 oftentimes during a game, so he's a huge influence on what happens in the game, but a, you know, Uh, it's going to depend on his defense, it's going to depend on the ballpark, it's going to depend on any number of factors. Is there a flare right over the infield? So many things are happening that are out of his control. So BABIP assumes, and here's the big assumption, and here's where it gets a little dicey for people, BABIP assumes over much time that everything's going to regress to the mean of 300, roughly. Exactly. The 30% or 300. Yeah, and so we get to determine, if, you, if you're if you willing to accept that over the long haul, it's going to go to 300. And it does. It, I, I did the average for 2009 and 2010 this morning because I wanted to point this out because it should regress to the mean, and it will. And if you look at the last two years, guess what? You did it for 2009. It's 303. You get you did it for 2010. It's 302. So this this is it. Not only is it is it something that that is that should happen. It's something that does happen. So and, and I guess when I say if you're willing to accept it, it's something that those of us who are saber capping on a daily basis we do accept it. But for those new and who are reticent to accept it, I sort of say it that way. Like, listen, if you're willing to accept this, which you should, you know, what we get to see all the while is whether a pitcher in their long journey towards getting to that 300 BABIP, if you will, what we get to see is, are they currently lucky in that journey, or are they currently unlucky? So if their BABIP is below 300, they've been lucky thus far, because balls batted in play have not come back to hurt them. But if their BABIP is over 300, and obviously all the degrees over 300 are, are meaningful, then they've actually been unlucky because balls in play have actually landed safely for at a rate that are higher than will be the case over the long haul. I hope that made sense. So someone like it, Le- totally, it totally makes sense, Gil, and it's, it's totally a way to look at it. And you just you just look at three at the number 300. That's right. And in this in this particular year. LeVon Hernandez is at .243. So he's way below the 300 level, so that has to regress. Correct. And that's why that's why I think that the Tigers have the ability to hit hit him. And and LeVon Hernandez is, is interesting, and I'd like to touch on just before you know I get to the next game, I want to talk on strand percentage and, and home run uh, fly ball rate. Um, you know, LeVon Hernandez, to me, is always, and I think we talked about it on the show, always a guy who's got these Houdini-like qualities. And you think, 
oh, this guy, he's just he's just outside the norm because he strands guys on base and and you know guys don't hit the ball, but but they, but they don't make it. You know, they they make you know, all the balls find all the balls that are hit find gloves. And if you look, and this is what was interesting to me because I wanted to compare Levon's uh, uh, sabermetric numbers to his career numbers, and guess what? The career batting average of balls in play for Levon Hernandez is 300. So yeah, there I mean, it is. His, this guy that would think that it has these magical qualities, you know, over the course of his career, it goes goes back to that 300 number. Yeah, he's it's it's interesting because I think you're correct. I think he is, he has been Houdini this year. But yeah, I'm just glancing at his BABIPs for his whole career, and if anything, he's been lucky over the course of his career. You know, I mean, I'm looking at some of the he actually, if you go year by year, you know, he's been pretty fortunate in many of those years. Um, back in 2008, for instance, he was crazy lucky. I think he had a 3.45 BABIP, but this year, as you point out, 2.43. And before I before you continue with your discussion on this game, real quick, I should say there's an additional layer to this, and I don't want to make anybody's head explode at this point, but there's an additional layer to BABIP where I do weight ground ball pitchers differently than, say, fly ball pitchers. And the reason for that is because, I, I said this uh, a couple weeks ago about Tim Hudson, because Tim Hudson is a ground ball pitcher, his BABIP low as it is, much like Levon's, his will also regress to the mean. It just won't regress as reliably, let's say, and as quickly as it would for a fly ball pitcher because a ground ball pitcher, just by the nature of the fact that when a ball's on the ground hit in the infield, there's more human bodies in the defense, right, in the infield than there are in the vast land of the outfield. A ground ball pitcher is going to naturally have a BABIP that is reduced for a more reliable period of time, let's say. So while I know that Hudson's mean will regress, I don't think it will be by and large as dramatic as someone like Levon, who quite frankly isn't known for being specifically a ground ball pitcher. Hope that makes sense too. Right, no, it makes sense to me, and I think that, that the, the key on these terms, and I was going to go over strand rate and home run for fly ball, but I think maybe we could wait for another show on that, is to just kind of grasp the, the main concept of this batting average of balls in play. That means that we, we have a league average, which is 300 or 30%, and then if a guy, is his, his average to date is below that, in this case it's, it's, it's Levon Hernandez at .243, it should regress, and it will regress back to the mean of 300. So that means this guy's been incredibly lucky because t- only 24% of the balls that have been in play have have resulted in hits, where it should be 30%. And then if it's over 30%, then this guy's just having bad luck. I've seen I've seen it as high as you know 45% of the balls in play are hits. You know this guy's get a guy like that's getting unlucky. So the key, I think, on this discussion, and we've gotten in pretty good depth on it, is that 300 number. And if it's below it, the guy's lucky. If it's above it, the guy's unlucky. Yep. Does that make sense? And what we, made, what we made sound very complicated, you can get in a glance. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of the information that's out there. I mean, we don't have to crunch numbers. We, just, we know that, hey, this guy's way below this particular number. He's lucky in that, that particular stat. So what you're saying is you're fading the Nationals, I'm guessing. 
I am, well, the volume actually, and this is one of the things, the lines makers have really set some tight lines the last couple of days. But what I like is the over in this game. Um, the over is a ridiculous eight, and I, I have it at nine. So I'm going to take the over in this game, get a full run of value. Okay. You're a big over guy today. You like the over in the Nats. You like the over in the Phillies. And you got a fourth pick. My fourth pick is get, we're going to go out west to Los Angeles. And I like the Brewers getting a run and a half. I think that the uh, the pitching matchup is a lot closer than people uh, would would think upon first glance at this. You know, Narvison to me is a four point five five pitcher, and Pinero he's had a really good year. I've got him actually at a three nine five. But the 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 team offense, I've got the Brewers with a better offense than the Angels by almost a half run, and. And the reason that, that the Brewers, I think, can contend in this game is because of this lineup. And I think this Narvison can keep him in the game. So I'm, I'm going plus one and a half, minus 153 with the Brew Crew. Okay, so your four picks. You like uh, the Phillies at plus 200 on the value. You like the over in the Phillies-Yankees game. What's the line on that right now? I, I have the the over at ten, and I'm looking at eleven point two runs projected. So they've set the number high; they just can't set it high enough. I don't think today. All right, and you like the over in the Nationals Tigers game, Hernandez and Verlander, with the operating principle being uh, Levon Hernandez's BABIP. You like the over? You've got that in your metrics at around nine, but the line is at eight. So you like the over at eight, and then you like the Brewers on the run line against the Angels, Narvison against Pinheiro. All right. I like it. I, I think this call sounds good. And then one thing I wanted to throw out there before we sign off, because I know this is interesting to me following the World Cup, and, and I'm very patriotic. I love the United States. I don't want this coming off like I'm, I'm anti-American. But Slovenia is getting great value at plus a half goal. Oh, my God. What's that? Oh, I said, oh, my God, you're a communist. <laughs> and, and I have Slovenia. At, at, they should be favored at minus 138. And BetUSA or BetUS has them only at minus 115. So I wanted to throw that out there for the, for the United States game. I think Slovenia getting a half goal. Is a, is a pretty good play. By the way, you like my uh, late seventies, early eighties slur at you, communist. Like, how old is that? <laughs> how old is that of, as, as a slur? Wow. Okay. Now here's the thing. Now, let me ask you this: gambling, we love doing it. We love finding an edge. Would you bet against the USA in this match? Where, where do you draw the line, base winner? Is what I'm asking you. Well, I think from a recreational standpoint, I'm I'm going to bet against the USA. <laughs> I don't know if I could if I could could. Uh, to put a huge amount on it because people would probably beat the hell out of me if I was rooting for Slovenia. Dude, the sight of you at a bar going crazy for Slovenia would be the funniest, <laughs> the funniest <laughs> thing ever. It's like, dude, that's base winner. He's rooting against us. So what? What is? What is this guy doing? Or, you know, I mean, and, and I guess it might be excused if you had like a like an Eastern European accent, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even be able to. To pull that one off, I'd be like, "What's wrong with this dude?" I'm from Slovenia, <laughs> and pe- people would even be like, "Oh, he must be betting on it." They'd be like, "Nah, he couldn't bet against the USA." <laughs> even people who bet would be like, "No, nah, he couldn't do that." <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, interesting point. Um, thank goodness for the World Cup, as I've as I've said, um, and again, 
Bet draws, everybody. Bet draws. And by the way, Switzerland beats Spain 1-0. Wow. Wow. So thank goodness for the World Cup. We got your four baseball picks. Again, sorry for the uh, jilted nature of the show today. I know I kept making, uh, we kept going on tangents. Um, But again, you want to talk about recentism. You want to talk about BABIP or any sabermetrics. uh, Go to the podcast blog which can be found now on the website at pregame.com and feel free to click the discuss button and we will certainly get into it uh though i am going to the giants ball game today i will get back and certainly respond to all of that let's make that the hub where we continue the conversation again itunes listeners couple days here moving forward where you know it's going to be transitionary period before we get our own dedicated channel so your means of getting this show through the podcast uh, through the uh, through iTunes up to this point it's going to shift for the next couple of days so be sure to check it out uh the podcast that is at pregame.com or pregamepodcast.com base winner thank you sir yeah, it's been my pleasure i'm jealous of you enjoy the game there thank you sir john wilner hopefully from the san jose mercury news to talk about college football tomorrow gil alexander you're betting dork thanks so much for listening it's